comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The world we know is gone. No internet, no GPS, no text messages, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. Welcome to the Walking Dead TV Podcast in Georgia, Jersey, joined tonight by Mr. Aaron North, Mr. Jim Dietz, and Mr. Russell Latham. How's everybody doing tonight? Doing well. Fantastic. Happy zombie holidays, everyone. Indeed. <laughs> so this is our first episode back uh, during the break. Uh, just a few short things we're going to talk about. we got a voicemail. We're going to talk about uh, Frank Darabont suing AMC and a little bit about the first half of the season in general, and then look th- towards the future as well. So, uh, what do you guys want to start with? We might as well hop right into the Darabont to do. I mean, it's pretty much in the headlines, and his new series just premiered on, um, didn't, did it not, on TNT? It did. Uh, Mob, Mob yeah, it, did. It, it came and went. I, I don't think you'll hear a lot about it ever again. I have them all DVR'd. I haven't watched any of them yet. I have Africa to blame for that, but, you know, whatever. I saw the pilot, and I thought it was kind of slow and predictable, which is really weird, because I, lo- I usually love Darabont stuff, but... Um, I just, I just found that the pilot didn't really grab me, so I didn't I didn't pursue further. But I'd be interested interested to hear your take on the whole thing if you do end up watching. John Bernthal's certainly been all over the place. Like he's in that, and then he's also in The Wolf of Wall Street and Grudge Match, both in theaters right now. So he's getting work. <laughs> he's going to be in that new. Is it the Brad Pitt movie, the World War II Brad Pitt movie, where they they play a a, a crew at the tail end of World War II that goes into Germany for some crazy secret mission with a Sherman tank? Oh, yeah, uh, Fury. Yeah. Yes, Fury, yes. Yeah, the David Ayer movie, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. happening. He's in there. So here's more or less what happened. Well, as you know, Frank Darabont was the guy who brought The Walking Dead to television, and then was it halfway through season two, he was ousted uh, a couple days after Comic-Con, I believe, and uh, we haven't heard a lot from him since. We knew it wasn't exactly good terms that he left AMC on, but we didn't know a lot about it, and now he has officially sued them, saying they owe him a lot of money. Now, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, me with my law background, you know, a lot of times you see lawsuits like this and you go, oh boy, what's this one going to be about? But after reading a bit about it, it actually seems pretty legit to me. Um, It's a little complicated, especially if you don't follow the TV business and how it works, but uh, the thing you really need to know, I guess, is background is just because a show airs on, let's say, ABC, does not mean ABC made that show. Um, it might have been made by Fox or Universal or or some other, you know, Columbia Broadcasting or something, and it might be then licensed to ABC, and ABC would then pay for that license, and then they can air the show. Or ABC might make the show and then air it themselves. That happens all the time as well. 
But the problem comes in when you have somebody like Frank Darabont, who was hired by AMC to... Oh, I, I don't know exactly what the timeline is here. But basically, AMC said, from what I understand, write the pilot, write this first season, um, and we are going to shop this around, find a network for it and to, to air the show, and you'll get 12.5% of the profits. And granted, we should say this is all allegedly, this is according to the lawsuit. I don't know any of the facts beyond what I've read, so I'm not saying this is 100% what happened. But allegedly, you're going to get 12.5% of the profits from this show going forward. Awesome. And then, instead of selling the show to a network, they did that, but they sold it to themselves. And what's being alleged is they basically sold themselves the show for way less money than it was worth, and then he's not getting any profits, basically. So he's owed a lot of money, according to him at least, from all four seasons so far in the upcoming uh, fifth season. He also wants money for the spinoff and for Talking Dead, because all these things came out of him bringing the show to television. Um, all these things that were promised to him money-wise, and he hasn't seen a cent of it. Um, and and the, the argument is basically that what they did by selling themselves the show in the situation because of the way the contracts were written was shady and underhanded and, and a bad thing. So I'm not saying it is a bad thing necessarily or not. I'm just saying now that I've actually read the details of the lawsuit, it seems a lot more legit than I might have thought initially from just seeing headlines. It seems like, if anything, it's AMC was just so – they wanted to – with them taking out Frank Darabont, you know, the showrunner of the show, they wanted to kind of smooth things over so quickly that maybe things some got lost in the shuffle, and that's kind of where we've ended up now because of this, which is unfortunate for a lot of involved people involved. But right, really right. Although it. I mean, I mean, to be fair, all the contract stuff would have been done long before midway through the second season. You'd think that, and it just seems like if you're rushing somebody out to brush somebody back in so you can kind of smooth over this transition process of the the guy that started the show to somebody else while also dealing with all the, you know, publicity that comes with that and whatnot, I I can I can understand I guess where some something bad something wrong happened which led to what's going on right now. Right, right. Which is not like it, I mean, it's obviously not blameless, but I, I can see why something like this emerged, I guess. Well, basically, basically, let's put it this way. On paper, The Walking Dead has not made a cent, which means Frank Darabont gets 12.5% of that, which is zero. But it's, as we know, the biggest scripted show on television. There's merchandising, Halloween costumes. You've got the comic books and stuff. There's a lot of money being made here, but the way that they have... It's, it's called self-dealing. And granted, this is if it's true. If everything he has alleged is true, the way they have self-dealt means AMC has made a lot of money, but The Walking Dead is technically losing money. In effect, not paying anyone the money that they're owed, unless it's just you get this much money per episode, then you automatically get it. But anybody who's making um, profits off of the gross or off of the profits, they're not getting anything. Except AMC themselves. <laughs> Again, this is as alleged. We could find out that a lot of this isn't true. Who knows? Also, it's been a, a thing. I mean, Darabont's really, uh, I mean, he's been in the press promoting Mob City, um, you know, his new uh, uh, um, show on um, they, they just did with, with Bernthal from Walking Dead. But he's made it very public, uh, his, you know, displeasure with the way AMC de uh, dealt with him. Um, and plus, I mean, going in, they did, they had no idea it was going to be as huge a hit as it ended up being. I mean, it's it just really, you know, it was kind of an unexpected success for them. So I could see them not, you know, really dotting all their I's and crossing all their T's when it came to, you know, giving him an exit deal. 
Well, and two, just looking at the, the lawsuit itself, uh, looking at the details, I'm looking at, at Deadline Hollywood. They have an article that they put out on, this is dated uh, December 17th of 03, and they, they have a lot of details from the lawsuit in there. And supposedly the fee that they negotiated with themselves, which I think is kind of at the heart of all of this heartburn, is for $1.4 million per episode. That's what, that's what this suit alleges. Um, and that covers about 65% of the uh, production cost. So, Jordan, like you were saying how it's not making money, allegedly that um, up and through, before the third season premiered, the show was in the hole $55 million, given production costs and what the licensing fee is. Um, but but that production costs and, um, you know, the actual amount of the debt, it looks like it's pushed it to, to like $71 million, um, and it'll continue to grow. But the suit alleges that they're not factoring in the 30% tax credit they get from the state of Georgia for filming uh, there. And, right. And, yeah. And the other thing is, and this is what I found interesting to, to kind of accentuate the whole short billing, is that apparently Lionsgate charges AMC, I think it's $3 million, it says here, $3 million an episode for season five of Mad Men. And Mad Men's ratings are considerably way less than what they are for The Walking Dead. So I think, you know, using that as a barometer for AMC and these other shows that get way less ratings and what and what they're charged, I think that's, you know, kind of adding to Darabont's, you know, to, to what he's trying to do. Um, and that's what really kind of hit it over the head. And that's not the first studio to do so. I mean, over time, I remember The X-Files was a big one, um, that they sold the... Um, a big thing for for Duchovny when he sued Fox and 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 all of them was that they sold the um, syndication rights back to Fox affiliates for a ridiculously low amount, um, and part of that was to keep all the other costs down so they wouldn't have to pay you know such high residuals. And this is, I, I you know I think Hollywood accounting has been the subject of a lot of uh, mystery and a lot of negative attention for you know, as long as there's been movies. I mean, according to Hollywood, I don't think there's ever any movie that's ever turned a profit um, when you factor everything in. Uh, so this is just kind of more of the same. But but it's really interesting to show, to see if, if all this stuff is true, how little, um, it, it just seems really deliberate on AMC's part if, if, if even like half of this stuff is true. Right. And, and like you pointed out, this is not um, a completely unheard of lawsuit. You know, it happened with Home Improvement, The X-Files, Will and Grace, among many others. Um, it, it definitely happens. You got to be careful when you write these contracts to uh, not make things too good for yourself, essentially. Yeah, and some of it, I think, is beyond the participants' control. I mean, you know, they're thinking, oh, they've got this level of participation. They have, I imagine they don't have any control over what the studio licenses their stuff out to the, either themselves or to somebody else uh, and how all of this accounting get, gets, you know, gets done. They only know their deal. Um, but I think we, you know, we see that where when somebody takes a large percentage of their salary through some sort of net profit, um, it, it seems like that that's where these things always go south is, um, and, you know, especially for Darabont being, for, you know, it, it, being around the Hollywood system as long as he, as he was that, you know, th this probably wouldn't go the way it did. But, um, I, I guess too, part of it is. You know, part of this lawsuit is that he was stripped of, ex of his executive producer credit for the show, um, even though that he was supposed to be 
um, you know, basically his deal was, you know, lifetime EP on, on the show, you know, whether that's true or not, who knows. Um, but I've, I, one of the other things, and you mentioned it too, Jordan, that I found interesting was that, um, you know, he's supposed to, to basically get participation on anything derivative of The Walking Dead. so Or at least talk- that's what he's suing for. I don't know if he's yeah. actually saying that that's what he was contracted for, but he I don't think it's necessarily a, uh unrealistic expectation. You know, if he's the one yeah. who brought it to television, anything that's a derivative work of that, you know, theoretically, he should get some money for. Well, it, it, looking at, again, at this Deadline Hollywood article, it, it says that um, part of what's in his complaint is uh, Darabont has a contractual right of first negotiation with regard to any derivative production related to The Walking Dead. Um, so I guess he's, b- because he didn't get first negotiation or any kind of input, I'm assuming, with The Talking Dead and then, uh, you know, this upcoming spinoff that, you know, that that's where he feels there's a breach. But um, if, if that's true, that's, again, very interesting. I, I It just seems like AMC was all in on him from the beginning uh, and and used him to get all in, and then it just seemed like once they realized maybe what kind of a hit they had on their hand and how much of the pot they were going to have to give up to him and his um, his agents, that maybe maybe they started to rethink things a little bit. Again, if all, if any of this is true, I mean, <laughs> right, we're right. Only, yeah, I mean we're only you know we only know what what he's suing for and what he's alleging, and then like I said, just based on how these things have gone in the past, I mean, it seems like almost in every case the studio caves to some degree and settles with whoever the, the complainant is. So, I mean, I don't know about you. I mean, I'd be curious what you think, Jordan, but do you think this is ever going to even get close to trial? It's certainly unlikely. Um, I mean, and Jim pointed it out, but, you know, the timing of the lawsuit with um, Mob City worked well to at least get it out there in the press, and that's probably enough to get, you know, the the – cogs rolling behind the scenes that said you know you've got two competing factors here one you know if you're amc or any company you don't want your dirty laundry aired you know in front of everybody even if it's not that dirty like even if 90 percent of this is just not true you know you don't want the 10 percent that is or the five percent or whatever because everybody makes mistakes um you don't want that stuff aired in front of everybody but at the same time this is a huge, this is a lawsuit for a huge amount of money, or at least for me anyway, and there, there is also the chance that they might not be able to come to an agreement behind closed doors and settle um, in, in a way that's going to make all the parties uh, agreeable to it, and then it could go to trial. Y- you never know with these things, but I think more likely than not, it'll probably be settled behind the scenes, but you never know. This, this, since there's so much bad blood, at least that's the impression we have, that's why I think it might go to trial. Almost like, hey, I'm going to stick it to you by forcing you to make this all public. But I'd still be surprised if it did actually go to trial. Like, it does does kind of seem like it's going to fit more into the a silent uh, negotiation was reached or whatever, and we won't really hear the end of it necessarily, or we will, and it'll just be something minor as opposed to a big drawn out ordeal. I was like, that's going to happen. It just seems like that seems more than likely. It all depends if he really wants his money or if he really wants to make a point. Mm. Well, I, I agree with Aaron. This seems like the kind of thing that's going to be solved with a checkbook, not a judgment. So. Persons familiar with the matter say that Frank Darabont got X million dollars in settlement with AMC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, to give you a preview of episode 156, um, that's what we will be talking about. Because <laughs> <laughs> this will probably be going on for a while. Oh, even years, if they I would think. 
Yeah, but it's it's funny the the Dateline Hollywood article starts off it, it has an update and apparently um Kurt Sutter who is the the showrunner for Sons of Anarchy who has an opinion on everything and he needs yeah. you to know it. Yeah, it's it's funny uh he 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 put out a tweet and I'll paraphrase because uh, it's 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 sort of foul, but he says, "Go Frank, f those ghoulish, dead-eyed scumbags in their green gob a holes." <laughs> uh, I ain't talking about the zombies. Uh, so yeah, he's uh, that he's sounds like Kurt Sutter, all right. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I thought that was funny. Th- this stuff just really fascinates me. In that, you know, I just I I I just really wonder what AMC's game end game was with this. If they really just you know, thought if nothing else, they would delay, you know, having to deal with it. Or if if they handle it this way, then in the end, they'll probably have to settle out for less than what they would do if they were up front and, and on the level. Again, if all this is true, this could all be bunk. Well, and there's also, there's lots of things that may seem underhanded or shady, but are totally legal. And depending on how these contracts were written, and I'd love to be able to read them, and hopefully at some point I will be able to, but... um Depending on how they were written, this may have been totally underhanded, totally shady, and totally written into the contract that he signed, for all we know. If you're trying to tell me there's dishonest people in Hollywood, well, <laughs> I don't know what to say, sir. <laughs> what, what's funny is, yeah, exactly. The, the, the last bit, I guess, I guess I'll, I'll read from this Hollywood, uh, Deadline Hollywood article, is it kind of recap the history, and I, I guess I didn't realize... It's been so long, and we've heard so much rumor and talk um, that who knows? It's just, it's easy to forget what really happened. But I thought this was kind of cool because uh, this last paragraph it says the lawsuit the lawsuit also recaps the Walking Dead's winding path to the small screen. Darabont first developed the project for NBC in 2005. He later took the script to AMC, which was ready to commit, but by then the TV rights to the graphic novel had expired. Meanwhile, HBO was also pursuing the rights to develop The Walking Dead as a series with what I'd heard was Guillermo del Toro. In the end, AMC was able to obtain them and proceed with Darabont's version. Uh, so again, I, I remember the, the NBC talk. I, I think I, I, I seem to remember some talk about Guillermo del Toro, but uh, I know that, that Kirkman was really interested in, in working with, uh, with Frank Darabont, which Man. leads me to another question. Do we, you know, there, With all this bad blood between AMC and, and Darabont and a lot of it being public... Kirkman's remained pretty quiet on this, and uh, Kirkman's not one to usually be quiet on matters, you know, especially like on the comic book side. I mean, he after he left Marvel to really focus on his independent stuff, you know, we have the the famous Kirkman manifesto from that Comic Con where he kind of uh, him and and um, Todd McFarlane, you know, he kind of put something out to Todd McFarlane about you know people creating their own stuff. He's been pretty vocal about his, I guess. Disdain is maybe a, a, a strong sentiment, but his um, he supports he, creators' rights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not a really big fan these days of like DC and Marvel. Um, he's remained very quiet on this. Do you think? And and I know, you know, just hearing interviews and stuff with him in the past, and and how gracious he was to Frank Darabont. Do do you get the impression that there's a lot of bad blood now between Kirkman and Darabont, just like there there seems to be with between Kirkman and um. Tony Moore. I honestly, I think it just falls into the realm of we just won't ever really know until, you know, years later when people come out in the open with a lot of these things. But I wouldn't, I I wouldn't um, not believe that there's certainly 
bad blood going on somewhere just because obviously the direction of the show was going one way and people wanted it to go a different way and that's what led to a split and I can't none of us can say where Kirkman was in this and like how involved he was in ushering out one person to bring another person to keep the show in a certain direction Um, we just again we just don't know really the, the power that Kirkman has in terms of the series direction or like how willing he is to go certain routes because that's what a lot of people want things to do. I just, it's, it's hard to say. I wouldn't be surprised if there is bad blood between Kirkman and Darabont just because of the way things have played out. But I, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's hard to say. Next, let's talk about the first half of the season as a whole, uh, what we liked, what we didn't like, and uh, just what our general buster ratings for the first half of the season. And uh, let's go alphabetical. Aaron, why don't you go first? So I I did it the easy way as far as the Buster rating of the half of the season goes. I just took all the Buster ratings I have in my reviews, added them up, and divided. And it's a 3.5. It was exactly 3.5. And I'm very much content with that. I think that's a a solid thought of what I have for this half of the season. I certainly like it. I certainly think there are a lot of very good things about this season so far. I think there are things that the season's done better than previous seasons. But I also think it's kind of backtracked a bit. Whereas I think the third season had a stronger first half than this season did. Um, in terms of things that have worked really well for me, uh, Michonne has proven to be a, a, a very useful asset for the show instead of just kind of silent and not doing much of anything as like last season was the big complaint there. Uh, Daryl continues to be awesome all the time. I think Andrew Lincoln has done a tremendous job as Rick this season. We, uh, we had our issues. I had my issues with Carol, but she, she went out on... A, a solid note based on just how that episode played out. Was that one in turn? Not in turn. Uh, isolation, maybe? Indifference. Indifference was last episode. And um, that that's still probably my favorite episode of the season so far, actually. But um, the governor stuff was where I wasn't as big of a fan. I do think the two episodes featuring the governor are my least favorite episodes of the series overall. And the finale, while emotional and a lot of crazy do- things do happen... It's because of how much I don't care about the governor that just didn't have that much of an impact on me compared to other episodes of that other significant episodes of the series so far. So yeah, um, I like the season quite a bit. I think it's still quite strong. Um, just a few hiccups here and there, but still very good, good strong uh, start to the first half of the season. I would give the season overall a three seven five. It had some really high highs, but it had some pretty low lows. Um, I I thought Scott Wilson's performance overall this season was stellar, and I would really love to see him get some, uh, some you know, uh, award recognition. I just thought he really, he, especially the episode with Herschel fighting the flu by himself and everyone falling around him, the the final episode with, the, you know, the, the governor and his interaction there. I mean, I just really, uh, he really went above and beyond what I thought he was capable of as an actor from what I'd seen from him before, you know. Um uh, like like uh, like Aaron said, I thought the the whole bit with the governor was kind of a, a road they shouldn't have gone down and really didn't need to go down and just I didn't, it didn't seem like padding so much as it seemed like unnecessary. Um, the whole you know trying to you know kind of semi redeem this guy in our eyes who had just you know mercilessly gunned down dozens of people 
you know, <laughs> just a few episodes ago. Um, so I thought that was kind of like a miss, a misfire of this season. But overall, I really like the mix that Gimple brings to um, to the, the series. It, it's definitely uh, it's got a lot of the characterization stuff that we got with Darabont, and it's got a lot of the um, uh, action stuff we got after uh, Darabont left. It's kind of a nice mix of the two. Um, I enjoyed this half of the, the season so far, so that's my rating, 375. I think I'll give it a solid 4.25. Um, I shared, uh, you know, a lot of the same dislikes of things earlier on in the season, but I also really kind of liked the governor stuff. Um, I, I, I think I'd agree with you, Aaron, that the first half of last season was stronger than the first half of this season just in general. But the stuff they did well in this this first half of, of season four, I think they did really, really well, and the lows were not as low for me. So it, I, I really did like this. I mean, I'm, I'm hopeful for the second half of the season. We've talked last uh, last time about uh, some of the things we want to see, and we'll talk about that later on in this episode as well. Um, so I think even some of those lows can be smoothed over a little bit, um, depending on how they're handled going forward. But just in general, I, I liked the governor stuff quite a bit. I thought the whole flu thing was really inventive and cool to see in in a zombie universe because it's just one of those things that I haven't really seen um, in the various zombie media that I've consumed over the last two decades. So in general, 4.25, and uh, I'm looking forward to the second half. I'll give this a 4, and I think it's a case of the whole being greater than the sum of its parts. Uh, I, I think the arc that they took and where things started and where they ended was was pretty amazing. I just I kind of agree a lot with what Aaron said, and then and then Jim what he said. Uh, you know, as far as characters go, I think um, you know not not to just be kind of jumping on the bandwagon, you know the 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 Norman Reedus bandwagon. But I think Daryl's just been an, a really awesome character this season. We're finally getting some great characterization from Michonne, which we've all been kind of clamoring for for quite some time. I like the the route they took with Carl and Rick. Uh, I think a whole another season or another half season of Carl being kind of the smartassy, you know, whiny, you know, wanting, you know, disagreeing with Rick um, would have just been kind of felt like more of the same and just kind of gotten old. The fact that they both seem to be kind of on the same page and, you know, Carl kind of growing up a little bit um, and then the way things ended. I thought was was really really well done, um, and the governor stuff to me just really slowed it down. I, I just I would have loved for the season to have end the way it ended at this half, at the end of last season. Like if that's how it ended, you know, I think it would have just been much more powerful, and they could have they could have you know done away with that and then moved on to something else. And I just feel like this first half of the season was a bit of a backtrack, but there are so many great moments in this half season overall that I think is what is what pushed it to a four. I mean, like Jordan, like you were saying, the flu and, you know, just that battle at the end and just how emotional it was and, and, you know, killing off key characters and, you know, losing, losing Herschel was really tough. I mean, to me, that was just really, really tough, but I, you know, we'll see. So, you know, overall, I, I, like I said, I think more, more good than bad, um, and, and pretty top notch. I, you know, I think I'm more up on the series as a whole than I think I've been other than those, those two episodes that I think kind of backtracked a bit. Jordan, you made a good point about the, um, about the, the virus infection plot line and, and it does come from, I mean, we we're all of us have seen a lot of zombie, different kind of zombie media and it is something new, which 
makes sense because we haven't really seen this before. We haven't seen well, we obviously it's new because we haven't seen it before, but we haven't seen a zombie. Thank you, TV, Senor yeah. Tautology. We haven't seen a zombie TV series before, um, and so because of that, you have to you know obviously have different narratives to kind of keep it fresh, and it led to something that was creative. I did like the idea of this kind of infection plotline that led to all these different kind of tangents involving like one has mur- a mysterious murder going on which still apparently could be open for debate and other things led to Herschel dealing with his own kind of faith and what he saw in how he could help the situation and then you have you know Rick dealing with things like it led to all these other things that were most of them very effectively done and just like it's a, it was a neat idea that i liked and i liked the you know we obviously had those what all the episodes start with the letter i just a little kind of fun thing there and it was a it wasn't i agree it was an inventive way to construct part of the season around in terms of having a kind of a, a, a mini arc i think it too it shows a lot of promise for scott gimple i think he really does have a handle on this show and i think the direction he's taking it is is overall pretty positive and i'm i'm really excited for you know what, what what's coming up yeah uh, thank you for bringing up uh herschel and i know jim did as well but uh, thank you for bringing him up again aaron because it reminded me that i wanted to bring up i really really loved his storyline this whole half season of you know not even just faith uh you know in a general sense or in a specific sense but the fact that he was able to go out risk his life for you know the good of the group to you know to do what he thought was right even though he knew the risks and the fact that he got to go out while you know he was brutally murdered and he still went out with a smile on his face because his faith in humanity his hope that there could be a future in Rick was the last thing he got to see and so even though he was brutally murdered he went out like a boss and he went out like a guy who who was just had everything affirmed. And I thought that was so awesome because even though it was a dark, terrible moment with his daughters screaming and crying, at the same time, it was one of the more uplifting things in the show in a, in a way. And, and I just thought that was kind of neat, that juxtaposition. I can agree with you on that. And I definitely, I meant, I, Jim made a good point because I didn't mean to mention Scott Wilson too in general for this season. In terms and of Scott Wilson's and, beard. Scott, so, what did I say? Oh, yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, it's it's one of those things where you look you get to look back on a season or in this case half a season and kind of see what the arc was for a certain character and it, sometimes it works effectively, sometimes it does uh, it doesn't. Um, Andrea would be a good example where I see what they're trying. When you look at that last season in retrospect and like what Andrea's plotline was, and you get to the end of what she basically where she spells out what she was trying to do the whole time. I get how that makes sense in a, in the mind of writers putting that on a piece of paper, but it just it didn't play out as effectively as I thought it could. Here, I mean, for what Herschel's given to do in this season, I think it does play out very effectively. I may have had issues with aspects of some of the episodes in general, but for the most part, I Scott, everything Scott, Scott Wilson did, everything Herschel was involved in, I liked all of that stuff, and I liked the how it kind of where we started in the beginning of this season and where we ended with him, and it. I agree. It does have a, despite being a horrible thing that happens, it does have an, a hint of uplifting nature to it because you get to, he does have a chance to <laughs> uh, reflect on some things before he goes out and he gets to see Rick make the decisions that he makes before he goes out and he gets to say his piece on certain things directly to the governor. And it's it's a lot of very good work for a, for, for a role like Herschel, which I've enjoyed much more here than I did in the comic. Yes, yeah, totally a different character. I mean, I'd say the same for uh, some of the other characters. I mean, a lot of the other characters. I know we're going to have an episode coming up where we kind of compare uh, the comic 
characters to their TV counterparts. But um, I just I think this you know I can't, I can't say enough good things about Scott Wilson's character. A lot of the ancillary cast really impressed me. Um, uh, Melissa McBride as Carol, um, really you know I just really I did I, I well I had problems with what they did with her and 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 everything. It's kind of opened up this whole new interesting storyline. I thought her portrayal of Carol was really great. This this part of the season they gave her a lot. Um, more to do and more, you know, give her a, a more central part of the story. Um, I, I'm hoping as we go forward, we get more of the Tyrese that we get from, you know, that we have in the comic. Uh, the Tyrese, I mean, Tyrese now, as it stands, is is kind of, you know, just okay, in my opinion, not as, you know, the potential. But as far as Herschel is concerned, much, I, I like this version much more than the one from the comic. And, and you know, I, I know I go on and on about Scott Wilson, but if you watch these episodes, I mean, his... His performance is really, really stellar, and I agree with what Russ said too. I thought Norman Reedus was a good, a, a real standout um, in this part of the season. Um, they gave him more to do and more of a leadership role and more of like an interactivity. I was so glad to see, you know, um, uh, Denagura give us more uh, of a performance than just Grumpy Cat for Michonne. That was great. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, it, it's been a great season overall. I'm, I'm, I'm more excited at, at the end of this, uh, half a season than I was at the end of, uh, of last season, actually. So, yeah, I think the potential for some really, really great storytelling based on how this half of the season ended is, is what's really got me excited. I mean, everybody kind of splintered on the run, confused, you know, craziness going on, you know, people that, you know, certain characters think may or may not be dead. Um, just utter chaos, knowing some other characters that are going to be brought in uh, has has me really excited for the kinds of stories they could tell in the last eight episodes of the season. So, putting the first half of the season behind us for a few minutes at least, Russ, who is our sponsor for this week? Our sponsor this week for the Walking Dead TV podcast is Discount Comic Book Service. That's dcbservice.com, where you can get tons of graphic novels, comics, statues, trinkets, you name it, for great low prices at dcbservice.com. Uh, head on over to their website. We're reaching the end of the month, so the orders for uh, December are just coming up due, but fret not. They are happy to take late orders um, and happy to take order changes uh, You know, late, later on. So if it gets to be the beginning of January uh, as you're hearing this and, and haven't put your order in, don't worry, just do it. Um, you can also check out their uh, digital side. Um, where you can earn 5% back on your digital purchase, purchases through Comixology um, and link that up uh, through your, your Comixology and your DCBS account and earn 5% back. So if there's a big omnibus or a T-shirt or a statue or something like that that you've been eyeing or would like to get from DCBS uh, and like your comics digitally or, or your issues digitally, you can use that to kind of help save up and, and lessen the blow um, from ordering some of these these cool higher priced items off a discount comic book services site, um, check out all of the Marvel and DC hardcovers and and trade paperbacks. All the new hardcovers and trade paperbacks are fifty percent off at their site at dcbservice.com. Um, there's all kinds of cool stuff there. Uh, the new orders should be up within the first few days of January for January orders. Um, so please check out our sponsor, Discount Comic Book Service, and you can use the code WD8 if you're a new customer to Discount Comic Book Service or if you have not ordered in the last year. So once again, we thank uh, Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com, for their support of the Walking Dead TV podcast. 
Next up, we have a voicemail from Brian. So, Russ, why don't you play that for us? Hey, guys, it's Brian Fuquay at Radio Fuquay. Having read the books and without going into too much detail, I was dreading the day this episode would come. My wife and I know the pain of losing a daughter. And actually, right now, the um, I'm taking her sister out for a stroll right now. <laughs> you guys actually meant, gave her a shout-out back when she was born on a different podcast um, when you were doing your Captain America review. Her name's Anya. But I was already shaking before the episode aired, and my wife was like, what's up with you? And I'm like, I can't tell you. You'll see. And um, it was kind of weird the way they played it out, I guess, because in comic book law, if there's no body... There's not necessarily a death. But I have to say that Andrew Lincoln's and Chandler, Chandler Riggs' acting during that moment just, they hit, it, they hit the nail on the head. The, the initial shock followed by the grief. And then there's no time to like even reflect. They had to just get moving. Anyway, can't believe that it's already been over for the fall at least. And uh, looking forward to February, but... It's been a great run for this, at least this half of the season. Enjoy the podcast and hope to talk to you guys soon. Bye. So thank you, Brian, for sending us the voicemail. First off, I think we should just uh, convey our condolences um, and uh, our thanks for um, leaving the voicemail because I can't imagine it's it's an easy thing to, to bring up. Um, but to, just to talk about uh, Andrew Lincoln and, and Chandler Riggs acting, yeah, I mean – that was even for you know somebody like me who hasn't thankfully had to deal with that um, in in my own personal life. That was just absolutely devastating in, in those last few moments of the episode. Heart wrenching, completely heart wrenching. Here's where it gets tr- tricky to me in terms of the actual show because I don't think AMC would want to show a you know a a, a dead baby on the series, but at the same time. It is kind of that rule of nobody doesn't necessarily mean that person's dead. So it comes down to, do we actually, and I think we might have talked about, we touched on this when we talked about the finale, but do we actually think Judith has died or do we think that there's no. a mystery surrounding no. the fact that, I, yeah. Okay. I think if they wanted to show it, she's already in a covered baby carrier. All you have to do is show it from the reverse angle, show the zombie walking up to it and reaching down and some blood comes out or something. You might not even have to show the blood. Um, or similarly, you show after the fact, you show a reverse angle and and uh, Rick and... Just and the reaction. Looking, looking, yeah, the rat looking into it and seeing the horror that happened or whatnot. Exactly. Yeah. I think there's ways around it. And I, I think we talked about it last episode, but um, and we'll talk about it more later on in this episode, but the, the possibilities for how that could still play out, which allow Rick and Carl to have their grief... Um, but still allow us to have the character going forward, I think would be quite interesting. More interesting than just killing her off. Well, he made the point, you know, nobody, no, nobody, no death, as they say, so. And it just, it does seem like, even for a show like The Walking Dead, which very much sticks down to the dumps often for everybody on the show, I think it'd be a little much to kill off Herschel and have all the other stuff that happens, <laughs> a, a destroyed prison, lots of other deaths. I mean, that, and then throw on top of that a dead Judith. I mean, that be that seems like we're going a little far in that in all that. So yeah, I wouldn't. Plus, yeah, I, no, I just think the story possibilities of having a you know an infant and then a toddler and then a young child, 
um, are, are worth more than just the devastation of killing one off for the effect. Oh, yeah, two Grimes and a baby. We need to see that happen. <laughs> At a pizza place. Yeah. I mean, we had one child death in this episode, so I, I just... True. I, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, we already yeah. had a child <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, this was yeah. a rough one. Yeah, so I don't... I just don't... Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I think, like you're saying, Jordan, I think it's... I think it works for the emotional effect that it's going to have on Rick and um, and Carl, but I, which I'll, I think will make the reunion really a sweet moment. I mean, which the show they could finally, use more of, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, kind of a, a a happy moment, which will probably then, you know, following Walking Dead fashion, lead to something incredibly horrible happening right after that. <laughs> Well, speaking of what might happen in the second half of the season, shall we transition, gentlemen, into our predictions, hopes, fears, uh, just general discussion of what we think the second half of the season should be? Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Sure. All righty. Um, I think we're all pretty much on the record as saying that we really like these episodes where things are much more parsed out. There's It's focused on a selected group of characters as opposed to the whole group. Amen. Um, I, I, th- I think we've seen plenty of examples of that and given that we've now lost the prison we have all the characters in a state of disarray i like the idea that that will that could potentially lead to episodes where we focus on individual characters and maybe we and ideally i think we could take some time before we kind of group everybody back together right away i'd like to see an episode of just you know rick and carl on their own which given what I know in the comic would be an interesting way to go. I'd like to see how that could play out. I'd like to see the whatever, who's Michonne with at the end of the day. Um, she's on her own. Yeah. She's just completely gone from everybody else. Um, uh, you know, where Glenn and the, the bus ended up where Maggie and I just like, you know, it'd be nice to see kind of sep- these characters separated for a time before we kind of group them all back together and figure out what's going to happen next. That's kind of an idea I'd like to see happen. Plus, I mean, we were talking about how we like the the episodes where they focus on just a few characters at a time. I mean, this is a good way to do that in, in a, an organic way that fits in the story. Yeah, it wouldn't just be like arbitrarily saying these characters are doing this. That's why we're not seeing this episode. There's just a reason that we have a distinct feel for this episode for why we're seeing just these people or whatnot. Plus, it, it it's kind of a different direction for the show. We haven't really had that on a large scale in this show. I mean, we've had... Uh, you know, characters here and there that have been split off or, you know, go on a side mission or something. But we haven't had kind of like a mass chaos where I'm envisioning there's probably at least three or four different groups of the main cast that are, you know, in that are split off. Uh, so I think that'll just add a lot more to the chaotic effect. It could give for some interesting moments where, you know, if each of these groups are kind of off on their own doing their own thing, they're going to come in, in contact with potentially other people and then when everything kind of kind of gels back together, which I'm I'm we're all assuming will, and I'm I'm pretty sure is going to happen, um, adding those personalities back into the main group, and you know how others view the people that these other groups have brought in, I think that that's going to add for an interesting dynamic. As far as what I expect to see, I guess I mean obviously I expect to see Carol to come back. With that, I can only hope much like how I was saying earlier about how I like seeing. Herschel's arc in that half of the season I'd like to think that if things play out a way that they could where this murder mystery thing and the who's feeding the walkers thing comes back into play I'd like to hope that Carol's been involved in that and that would kind of reshape my thoughts on how the early part of the season 
was handling her character versus what we then come to learn as the season goes on. That'd be something that I'd, I'd like to see in the series. I'd reconsider my thoughts, I guess, on some of the other previous episodes based on knowledge learned later, if the show is indeed that clever, which I think it could be. Right, right. And, of course, we know in the second half of the season, and I'll stay away from comic spoilers, but um, Eugene, Abraham, and Rosita will be showing up. And to be quite honest, I mean, I remember some some of the major points of their introduction arc in the comics, but I don't remember a lot of the specifics, so I couldn't spoil them if I wanted to. But I'm excited to see them. Abraham as a character was just always so awesome. I liked Rosita quite a bit, and uh, Eugene was always... Uh, Eugene had his has had his moments, uh, I'll say that. It's a way. nice way to round out that trio. Yes, and uh, I'm, I'm, but I'm excited mostly to see who they meet up with first, how that plays out, um, you know, just kind of like you're saying, depending on who brings in what or, or who bring who brings in who to different groups, um, how these different things play out, who they meet up with versus who they don't meet up with could make a world of difference for how that storyline plays out because they could still be written as the same exact characters. Like, they could be the most spot-on Abraham, Rosita, and Eugene you know, translation from the comics we could hope for, but the results could still be drastically different if they meet a different set of characters before the ones they met in the comics, or, or you know, someone just doesn't like them or doesn't trust them or something goes south, and I always like that kind of thing, where you don't betray the spirit of the character, yet you still end up with a majorly different result just based on the context. And I think that's been largely true for the series in general, with oh, some exceptions. True. I think it's just, uh, it does come down to things happened in different orders which led to different ways to depict certain characters i guess but yeah i, I certainly i'm looking forward to them too but abe especially and i like the actor michael cutlitz quite a bit so it's nice to see uh i, I believe i i said i uh kind of figured that'd be a great choice and it happened so i'm excited to see where that goes plus the show can always use more awesome mustaches true yeah. <laughs> i th- i think it's going to be interesting from another perspective too because we're going to have a lot of alpha males in the group. I mean, I think Rick kind of wavers between being a true alpha male and a leader. Um, but we've got, um, you know, we've got Daryl, we've got Tyrese, we, and, and now we'll have Abraham. Uh, that's going to be an interesting dynamic that not necessarily was the same way in the comic. Uh, and, and to see how that plays out is is what I'm going to be interested in, to see who kind of takes the lead, who takes a back seat, who acquiesces, um, and that and that kind of thing. And who gets hit upside the head with a hammer. <laughs> I know a lot of fans probably want to see a Daryl episode. I'm sure that's gonna that will probably factor it in some way. We haven't given Daryl much to do this season beyond just be generally awesome and, you know, help out when it comes down to killing some zombies, but, you know, a focus on the on Daryl, I guess, for an episode in terms of like where he got where he went after this happened or and, and maybe remind me, who did he end up with by the end of the episode? That's or was he also question. on his own? The last thing I remember was him killing a tank. Yeah, he killed a tank. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember yeah. what happened after that because it was just so awesome. It wiped my memory uh, going forward. But uh yeah, it'd be interesting to see I mean, because you have this trade off, right, where it's cool to see the characters separated from each other and to have some more self-contained stories. But at the same time, you lose a little bit of forward momentum if the episodes don't lead you know, one after the other. If the ending of episode 10 doesn't lead into the beginning of episode 11 because you're focusing on a different set of characters this week, you lose that forward momentum. But I would love to see 
some kind of storyline where they managed to do it, and, and I, I don't know if this would be even possible, but where they managed to do for a half a season or a season where you have Rick and his group, Daryl and his group, Tyrese and his group, and, you know, just kind of all starting their own society separate from each other because they can't meet up or something. I think that would be interesting. I also don't think it would necessarily be feasible on television while maintaining forward momentum without being just, and now we're going to spend five minutes with this group, and then five minutes with that group, and then five minutes with this group, which just gets whiplashy. Beth was with Daryl. That's who, that's over there. Oh, yeah. Ah, yes. I think that's where we get to the difference between a 22 to 26 episode, uh, you know, regular network television series and a eight and eight. 16 total cable series. I mean, because, you know, they kind of treat the first eight and the second eight almost as two different seasons. I mean, yes, thematically it's one, but they kind of have to build things to where they get some closure and obviously leave some sort of cliffhanger to kind of keep you on the hook. But, but the flow is much different than even like a regular network television, you know, series. And I just I wonder if this was the typical 22 to 24 nowadays episode season, if we'd see more like, you know, you know, single episode backstories, you know, where, you know, we'd find out like what happened to Daryl. Well, you have to because you got to fill that time. Yeah, you'd have to fill that time. And then, I mean, it also starts feeling like lost if you want to go that far. Or I guess season three. But there's a but there's a lot of shows, you know, Lost kind of paved the way for that. But there's a lot of shows that that do that. I mean, Revolution does it. Arrow does it, I think, to, to pretty great effect. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of shows that have kind of built that trope. Even even like um, the following, you know, the, the the Fox show does that. So, it I think I think Lost, you know, kind of championed that and did it did it right. And and there's been a lot of a lot of folks that have kind of copied that model. I think in my perfect TV world, um, this season would have happened a season later or the spinoff would happen a season sooner and it would just be and when we come back from the break saturdays it's walking dead rick's group and sundays it's walking dead daryl's group or whatever and they just went hey we're coming back and with two shows and we're gonna you know you're gonna get to have your cake and eat it too jordan where you get the forward momentum in both shows but now you get to see how does daryl lead a group for a sustained period of time how does tyrese do it how does rick do it or whatever carol do it or whatever I would love to see that. Uh, I don't think it's. I don't think it's going to work out that way. Even when we do get the spinoff, I don't get the impression that that's what it's going to be. But uh, time will tell, of course. It still comes. It comes. Or it comes down to budgeting, also. Like you have when you have like a prison, you have a central location where you can continue to film episodes at, and having multiple characters in different locations, it costs money to do. That. Right. Right. <laughs> like, exactly. As much as you can use, you know, the bat, the swamps, and the woods of Georgia. Like you can only go so far before you need to have a centralized location so you can base a lot of the, you know, structure of the show around. And that is where I assume the show is going to eventually lead up. We're going to have to have another central camp for all the characters to eventually regroup at or whatever. But so, it, I mean, it it's not necessarily telling, but because what do I know? Maybe they do have all the budget they need to have. Jo- have them well, from what I hear, the show's directions. operating in a $55 million hole. Yeah, so. <laughs> but I mean, it never looks bad. So right, right, right. <laughs> it's a very pretty hole. Yeah. <laughs> There's a quote right there. Put that under Jordan's picture. It's going to be on the back of the box of the, the Blu-ray, isn't it? <laughs> it's a very pretty hole. If this was an episode of Jersey Shore, that would be the episode quote. But uh, we don't do that for the show. So anyway, um, what what else? I mean, we've talked about structure. We've talked about. 
Um, some of the characters that are going to be coming up. Are there any characters you want to see less from in the second half of the season or more from? I could use a lot less Tara on this show. That's <laughs> uh, the sister, Lily's sister. Um, assuming we, if if Lily comes back, I, I kind of, I kind of, I wasn't. I'm not a big fan of that that Tara person at all. Let, let's limit it to more main characters. That's fine. Who, yeah. who do? Okay. <laughs> is there anyone you, you want to see less from, or or drastically more from, or a new pairing? Like, I mean, for me, that Daryl Beth pairing that could be really interesting. We haven't seen a lot with those two. I agree, and that also comes from the fact that I don't think. Um, what's uh, what's Beth's what's the actress name Emily um, Emily Kenny Emily S- Kenny sounds right yeah yeah Emily Kenny um, I don't think she's really shown the best work in terms of being an actress on this show and so I'd like to see if there was more material for her to step up that'd be yeah, that's that's see. the thing. She hasn't had much of an opportunity in many places to yeah, do anything but the places... other than walk around holding babies and singing. Fair, but the places we have seen her have to kind of give certain monologues. I haven't always been. I don't. I haven't found them very affecting. So I, I, I'd like to. If we're going to get more of her, because by default we have her with Daryl, and that leads to more screen time in general. I'm hoping that that you know is delivered upon. Right. This just comes more from the fact that I think a lot of the actors on the show are quite good, and so I, it's easy for it's easier for me to kind of see where some of the shorter ends of the stick come up. I can't think of anybody I'd really like to see less of. But I would like to see more of Glenn and, and Maggie uh, together, yeah. you know, doing something other than uh, wishing the other one off or one of them being sick. I, I think, if anything, with this first half season, I think Glenn kind of got short shrifted. And, I, 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 you know, I think there was a very important reason why that happened. I mean, he was a you know big part of the, uh, the flu storyline. But I would love to see I would almost love to see a Glenn and Maggie episode like just the two of them you know, dealing with something, you know, just to give them more screen time, because I just, I like both of those characters a lot. That's kind of what I'm hoping to see more of in the next part of the season, now that the group is broken up, is, you know, more character-centric, you know, like, maybe we'll see, a, like you said, a Glenn and Maggie episode, you know, I mean, we'll obviously we'll see a Rick and Carl episode, but, um, you know, it, it would be nice if they just would, like, focus on different parts of the group in different episodes, like, like you say, and kind of give us a little more time to breathe with these characters, you know. The last season, we had such a big ensemble... And it seemed like some of the episodes, they, they were kind of fighting to make sure everybody had a little bit to do, you know what I mean? Or a, a line of dialogue. Um, it, it was, uh, you know, we called it the T-Dog Syndrome, I think. It just seemed like, um, you know, with a big ensemble, it's harder for, uh, for the, the writers to juggle. Maybe this will give the characters a little more room to breathe, a little more, you know, a little more depth. If we, you know, give the each characters, you know, like their own, you know, character-centric episodes since the group is broken up now, you know. Like you were saying, you know, it'd be kind of jarring to go back and forth, back and forth from, you know, one faction to another. Tyrese would be another one I think we could probably all agree that could use more characterization on this show just to bring him up as more of, more than just like a guy that gets weirdly angry for reasons and then kind of boils down. Like, there's just not a lot of, like, I think we've expressed kind of concerns about Tyrese's depiction on the show in general anyway, so it'd be, you know, nice to have just a kind of a an episode to focus on or, you know, just more more done with his character to kind of strengthen him as a presence on the show. Well, yeah, and where we left him has a lot of potential with him and the, the group of kids and, you know, this is just, you know, guessing, but possibly Judith, possibly meeting up with uh, Carol. I, I think the, the possibilities for where they left him uh, are really cool. And that's probably one of the 
one of the storylines I'm most interested to see where it goes from this first half of the season is what happens to him and, and the girls, um, and it, especially if they meet up with Carol. Um, and that, probably that one and Rick and Carl. Um, but I, I don't know that I need to see a lot of the Rick and Carl one. I just need a little bit of resolution on it to see what happens with them. I mean, Tyrese is such a more multidimensional character in the book. I think that's what's kind of lacking here. I mean, he was one of my favorite characters in the book, and I just seem like it feels like he's kind of being given short shrift here in comparison. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's just because I'm biased from having read the book or whatever. But it's kind no, of no. I think I mean I think I mean Brad obviously expressed the same opinions as you have, where he's been very disappointed with Tyrese's portrayal in this show. Um. And I wouldn't necessarily go that far, but I certainly think that he hasn't been compared to what you know what you and me think of Tyrese, where we like his badassness. It just hasn't come out as often as it could, and it'd be nice for the show to deliver more on not necessarily his badassness, but just at least make him a character, not just like guy that gets angry. It's not even so much his badassness; it's just his like I don't know. He seemed like you know the second alpha male of the group. He just seemed like he yeah. gave Rick a sounding board when he needed one. Um, it just seemed like more of a more of a useful and necessary component than he does here. I guess, or I assume that we'll see more of Bob Stuckey and like what happens to him. I can't imagine. I can't necessarily imagine him sticking around throughout the entire season, or at least through the end of the season. But if you're going to introduce a character like this who has a history of with alcohol and has already made some bad blood based on choices in this first half of the season, I can't imagine that not being wrapped up in some way in the next half of the season. So I'm curious about that from about where that goes well especially since my money is still on him being the one who was feeding the walkers and oh, uh, and yeah. dissecting rats and, and and tacking them to boards so i'd imagine we get more of him plus i like the actor i mean i like lawrence gillard i mean i i think yeah i, I would definitely like to see more of him Oh, and there's that whole phone, the radio message thing that we heard on the radio. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which, I which I imagine will be tied into Abraham, Rosita, and Eugene. I um, guess. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. Yeah. Because if I remember correctly, and granted, this is going back years, I think there was something similar involving them and a radio transmission of some type. Not necessarily the same one, but just a radio transmission um, in the comics. So... I I really want to see how they play into that. I, I like I, I I don't want to give Eugene and Rosita short shrift, but I really like Abraham, and I want to see him um, and them, but mostly him and mostly his mustache. <laughs> I keep forgetting about the radio thing just because it's it just seems I, I I forget about it just as quickly as the show did since the show just is like oh here's this thing by the way zombies like, yeah. well like, by <laughs> the way seventeen hundred zombies I mean yeah. it's understandable they had bigger yeah. issues going on. Anything else you want to see in the second half of the season before we wrap it up, gentlemen? Nothing we haven't talked about and nothing that hasn't been kind of publicly disclosed. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to it, for sure. Uh, more, you know, more more zombie destruction. I'm sure they'll be deliver in some various clever ways, as they always do, on how zombies get eviscerated on this show. More uh, Greg Nicotero-directed episodes, maybe? Would be nice. He has several coming. Or he has, or he's directing the first one, yeah. Yeah, I just, I really just like his eye. I mean, you know, some of my favorite episodes in this series have been ones that he's directed. So I, I think for, you know, a guy that's that's been on the, the special effects side, for him to be stepping up and taking, you know, more control, I think he's listed now as, as executive producer or, you know, a producer on the show um, and, and just contributing the way he has. I, I, I just, I just like his eye. I mean, he just... I, I could easily see him 
after this show is done and over, if he decides to move on and do something else, that that's a path that he would probably go down, you know, more on the directing side than the effects side, so... Well, if that's it for this episode, remember until next time, and we'll probably have uh, one or two episodes before this show comes back. We want to do a comic to TV show comparison for everything up to the end of the prison. Um, but until then, you can leave us a voicemail at 972-798-3830. That's 972-798-3830. Or just send us an email, comments at walkingdeadtv.com. We'd love to get those, so that's comments at walkingdeadtv.com. But check out hhwlod.com for all of our great shows like Half Hour Wasted, The Long Box of Doom, Black Box, Out Now, Jersey Show, The Ichapod, Cranecast, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, and many, many more. And all those shows can be found on Facebook as well. We've got a brand new um, HHWLOD podcast network Facebook page, and uh, there's all kinds of fun stuff on there. That's your one-stop shop for all the stuff you want to get from our network. And, of course, there's always the Walking Dead TV Facebook group as well, which is hopping and bustling. You can follow us on Twitter at WDTV Podcast and at HHWLOD underscore network. And so until there's no more room left in hell in the dead walk the earth, remember, Abraham has an awesome mustache. Have a good week, everybody. So long. Happy New Year's. I'll sue ya. I'll take all your money. I'll sue ya. If you even look at me funny. I'll sue ya. I'll take all your money. I'll sue ya. If you even look at me funny. I'll sue ya. <laughs> I'll sue ya. What y'all think of that? I'll sue ya. Aaron, are you going to have to redo your Twitter name? I already did. You already did. Yeah. Oh, is it PS4 I did it the day now? it came out, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I, I, I don't go on Twitter all that my friend. Yeah. It's a bit of, it was a bit of a thing, because I had to like create a second Aaron's PS3 account so I could like redirect people in case they like, had to mess around. Yeah, I was going to ask you how that worked. Yeah, you just kind of change it, but it doesn't, like, the, the web address like still leads you to just, like, this one's no longer in use if you... I'm trying to look it up now. So I, huh? Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So I like I have another. There's another Aaron's PS3 there that's mine that just says look to Aaron's PS4 to find what Aaron is up to now, <laughs> and it has like 11 followers. So. Have you gotten a new Aaron's PS5 account just, just to, to get that right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I should totally do it. I completely <laughs> might do that now. That's a good point. Future proof your Twitter. Oh, that's funny. Can you imagine if you didn't have the Aaron's PS4 MySpace account right now, how dumb you'd feel? Yeah. <laughs> Go back to your Aaron's PS2 GeoCities account. <laughs> I think Jordan's still gone. So we can talk about him, and then when he comes back to edit, he'll hear all the stuff that we say.